Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible reads, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed or betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all that was done, that it was, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him and took to him his wife, verse 25, and did not know her, Till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph, Joseph, he is an amazing figure in this passage of Scripture. So allow me to preach on the topic of no ordinary Joe. He's no ordinary Joe. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. It is alive. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you for how it pierces into our hearts simply when it's read, yet alone expounded upon. But Lord, would you help me expound upon it today in a way that is in concert and harmony with the whole counsel of the word of God? Help me not to go beyond what is written. Help us to gain application from this wonderful historical occurrence. Help us to not only go back 2,000 years and see Joseph and Mary and Jesus, but also help us to bring it back here in our contemporary expression that we may put these things into practice through the aid and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Bring illumination right now. Help me preach, but above all, help your people hear, hear the word and be doers of the word. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Amen and amen. Yes, it is Christmas time. And at Christmas time, for those of us who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus. We, we love this time for many, many reasons. Um, but above all, beyond all of the things that happen with our culture, the Christmas trees and the gifts and the lights and the candles and all of that stuff that has its place, we love to be reminded of what the Gospels tell us. 
about the first advent of the Son of God. And so as we read these stories and rehearse these stories and see these stories acted out based on certain churches we grew up in, there was always a Christmas play. And there would be baby Jesus and a little Mary and a little Joseph. We would see all of that. And we know that Mary would get a lot of attention, and rightfully so. We know that the wise men would get a lot of attention, and rightfully so. And somehow, depending upon whatever church you grew up in, you saw diversity in the wise men. If you grew up in a white church, a black church, a Latino church, a brown church, you saw diversity in the wise men because there was always one dark wise man. Then there was a middle-shaded wise man, and then there was a white wise man. Usually they break down diversity when you see the wise men. You hardly ever see three dark ones, three light ones, three middle-shaded ones. You usually see diversity in the wise men as they came over from Persia looking for him who had been born. We hear about the shepherds, how they were out in the fields by night keeping their flock And as we've been to Israel, and I'm sure this team learned that many of those sheep may have been the actual sheep used in the temple sacrifices that would be made day by day in Jerusalem. But not much attention, and of course, and above all, we hear about baby Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, wrapped in swaddling clothes, which were strips that would would be put upon a corpse kind of like a mummifying experience where they would wrap the corpse in strips of cloth. And because Joseph and Mary had meager means, they had to grab strips of cloth and wrap their newborn child in. And as Jesus was wrapped in those cloths, those swaddling clothes, it was a picture that he would be wrapped, his body would be wrapped after having died for our sin. And so there's a lot of imagery a lot of great things going on. But I have learned that one of the people or one of the characters of this story that often gets overlooked is my man, Joseph. Joseph doesn't get a lot of airtime. Joseph doesn't get a lot of attention. And I want to bring a little bit of attention to him this morning because God chose to bring his son into a family And you have to look at Joseph, not just at Jesus. Of course, we must focus on him. We thank God for Mary. But Joseph, who we only see really in the first two chapters of Matthew, we see him in one chapter in Luke, I believe. Um, He's not even mentioned in John. And so how does a man who plays such an important role in Christ not only being born but reared, why is it that we don't see him much in Scripture, yet alone we don't read books about him, we don't hear many sermons about him? Uh, And so I want to bring some light to Joseph today uh, because Joseph has been encouraging me. I love to encourage men. And so men, today, the Christmas gift from your pastor is a message to encourage you to be a lover and to be a leader. Mm-hmm. That's the gift from your pastor today. I want to encourage you, like Joseph, to be a lover and to be a leader. And uh, the wives have a quiet amen that they're saying in their spirit right now. The single ladies are like, yes, I want me a man like Joe 
who is a lover and a leader. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at our boy Joe, who doesn't get a lot of attention. But this morning, we're going to give him some. So the first thing I want you to see is that Joseph, he was a lover. Oh, every man thinks he's a lover. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that many a man claim, claim to have unfailing love. But then it goes on to say, but a faithful man who can find. So a lot of men, we talk it, but we don't always back it up. And so it's one thing to say that you love somebody, and those words can be empty unless there's a demonstration of love. Because remember, God so loved the world that he did something. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died. So when a man loves you, there will be a demonstration of that love. When a man loves God, there will be a demonstration of that love. As Christy said today, our faith is just not about believing, but it is about acting as well. And love is a commitment of the will to do the right thing towards the one being loved, even when the one being loved doesn't deserve to be loved and you don't feel like loving the one that needs to be loved. Love says, do it anyway. Love says, do it anyhow. And Joseph was a lover. Number one, this man loved God. Hallelujah. He loved God. He grew up, as Christy said, hearing the Shema. This prayer, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. So, Pastor, how do you know that he loved God? Well, the Bible says here in chapter 1, verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, a just man, it's from a Greek word that means that he was righteous. And in the biblical understanding, righteousness, of course, is not just what you do, but it's what you are. So how does a sinful person who is unrighteous become righteous in the sight of God? Because Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, all of us. So our good works, it, it, it means nothing to God. It falls short of his glory. So how can a man become righteous or right with God? How can a man become just or justified with God? A legal term meaning that God looks at you and declares you as righteous, even though you are unrighteous, you are unjust. How did that happen with Joseph? How did that happen with me? How did that happen with the majority of you? And for some of you who have not accepted Jesus, how can that happen to you this Christmas season? For it is by grace that we are saved or justified, and it's through faith. Abraham believed God, and God imputed righteousness to him. What did he believe about God? That a Messiah, a deliverer, was going to come. The people in the Old Testament were saved, looking forward to the one who was to come. Those of us who live on this side of the cross, we look back to the Messiah who came. They did not see Jesus. We did not see Jesus. They believed he was coming. We believe he came. And we are justified, made right with God by faith, by believing. But that faith, that believing is not by itself because it is accompanied with works. In Ephesians chapter 2, 
verses 8 and 9, it lets us know clearly that we are justified or saved, made right with God by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We cannot work to become Christian. We cannot work to get saved or to be justified because, again, our works are tainted and flawed with sin. But once we are justified by faith, now our works prove our salvation. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, after Paul makes the point that we are saved by grace through faith apart from works, he then says in verse 10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to walk in. So now I'm working because I am saved. Not to get saved or to get brownie points with God or to earn grace. You can't earn grace. You just receive grace and you just let grace overwhelm you. But that grace also motivates you to get up and say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That grace transforms your life. It transforms my life to say, God is so good, I want to do the right thing. And so Joseph was a just man. He was made right with God. He believed in the Messiah who was to come. He just did not know that Christ was coming in that season literally through his family. He had no idea that the Messiah was coming in that moment. But he was a just man. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. He was a good man. Oh, yes. He was a good man. So, brothers, 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 I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how big your house is, what kind of car you drive. I don't care about your pedigree, your education. I don't care because if you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, you're not just you're not righteous. You're not right with God. And none of those things will make you right with God. The only thing that makes us right with God is what Brandon expressed today through childlike faith. He put faith in Jesus. Somebody said, man, that's just too simple. Hmm. Yeah, it's simple, all right, but it was difficult for God. It was difficult for Jesus when he was on the cross, bearing on his body all of our sin. And he said, Father, why have you turned your back on me? And the Father turned his back on us, on Jesus, so that he could turn his face towards us. So what we receive by grace, Jesus earned for us at Calvary through his blood. So my man loved God. And when a man loves God, I heard one single lady tell me, there's nothing more attractive than when a man loves God. Mm, mm, can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? I, I'm not talking to folk that can't talk back. Talk to me. Yes. That's why my wife, when we were dating, you saw something in me, didn't you? You just didn't see a wonderfully handsome, bodaciously muscle, muscleful. That's a word that preachers invent on the fly. You saw all this good stuff about me, my athletic prowess, my intellectual capacity. You just saw I was a good dresser. I had a nice fade. You saw all of that? But above all, you saw that I love God. Because in our marriage, you know that if you can't get through to me, you've been telling me something and I'm not listening or I have a heart and heart, you know it's all right. I turn him over to the Lord because I know the Lord is going to deal with my husband because that's how I feel the same way about you because I know when you're not listening to me, I'm like, Holy Ghost, get her. Holy Ghost, get her. 
You don't know how to love a woman until you know how to love God and be loved on by God. But secondly, this brother loved him some Mary. Yes, he did. They were betrothed to be married. Whether the marriage was arranged or not, we don't know. We don't know how old they were. But man, some people say maybe Joseph was older and he died, and that's why we don't see him later in the Gospels. Again, we don't know for sure, but we do know he loved this woman. Why? He went and prepared a place for her in the Hebrew tradition of what grooms would do for their brides. Uh, the betrothal was a legal marriage. It was binding. It's just that the couple did not live together. They had not yet consummated the marriage. So it was a time of preparation where they were legally married, but then he would go and prepare a place for her so that when he was finished, he would go back and get the bride and bring her back to his home. And so he prepared that for her. Now, the reason why Elizabeth excuse me, Mary left Elizabeth abruptly. Last week I talked about Mary and how when she got pregnant through the Holy Spirit with Jesus, she went because Gabriel said, your relative is also pregnant in her old age. Not by the Holy Spirit, but by her husband, Zechariah. They both were old. They both had been praying for a son. And so in their old age and in their barrenness, the Lord visited them. Because John would be the forerunner before Christ, six months older than Jesus. And so the Bible says she got up and went to her relative's home. And while she was there, it was getting to the time that Elizabeth was about to give birth, which meant that she, was, she had uh, uh, been pregnant another three months. But the Bible says that Mary left there. Why would Mary leave before John was born? She had to get back to Joseph because it was time for their betrothal to, to end. And now it was time for them to live together. So she had to leave abruptly and go and see her man, now that she's showing three months, and tell him, Joseph, the Lord visited me through the Holy Spirit, and I'm carrying the Son of God. Now, that's a whole other discussion. Just hang on. So she had to leave abruptly. But he did prepare a place for her, and it was time. It was time for them to come together. And I remember when it was time for us to come together. My children are here. They don't want to hear this today. But one benefit of being black is that when you blush, we can't tell. Amen, amen. But I could not wait to get with your mama. The children have been dismissed. Believe me, there's more coming. There's more coming in this passage. So don't, if you're new with us today, we talk about this stuff. So don't, you know, just hang in there. And uh, we got married. Next Sunday will be our 23rd wedding anniversary. Next Sunday, December 28th. And we've done the wedding. We're at the reception. And... Our hotel is where the reception is. Our room is upstairs. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. My wife, she's going around shaking everybody's hands. Oh, it's so, oh, thank you for coming. Oh, oh. And she's getting gifts and kisses. And I'm at the elevator. I'm waiting like, will you come on? We've been dating righteously. We've been doing this thing. Come on, guys. And she's just talking to people. Oh, man, that was a test. Oh, boy.
And every man in here knows exactly what I'm talking about. Another thing is that he did not go public when she told him that she was pregnant. The Bible says, let's see, in verse 19, then Joseph being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, he could have put her out on front street and said, my wife is pregnant and I am not the father. That sounds like something on a Mari Povich thing or something like that. And he did not do that. Why did he not put her on front street like that, put her on blast, but chose to try to put her away or divorce her secretly. Why did he try to do that? Because he loved her. If he didn't love her, he would have put her out there for her to possibly be stoned, at the least ridiculed by the people, but he loved her. So he was like, I don't understand this. You're telling me this, but I don't get it. So, So let me encourage a couple of families today. Mary and Joseph had some intense fellowship at this moment. When she comes and tells him what God is doing, he ain't hearing that. Because if he heard that, he would have just accepted it. But because he didn't hear that, he's like, I'm going to write up a certificate of divorce. Because the betrothal was so legal, legally binding, you had to have a divorce decree to undo it. So he's like, I'm going to divorce court. So I, w- I just want to encourage somebody that just because you and your spouse have some fights, and y'all have some disagreements and some arguments, don't be shocked by it. Don't don't have your nose so wide open that you don't think it can't happen to you. If it happened to Mary and Joseph, it can happen to you. If it happens to the president and the first lady of the United States, it can and does happen to you. It happens to your pastor and his wife. It's always her fault when we have a disagreement in our marriage. Y'all do know that, right? Whenever we have a disagreement, my wife, She always comes back to me on her hands and knees. And she says, come out from under that bed and fight like a man. Come out from under there. We all have conflict and tension. We all have issues, man. It's how you work through the issues. If I can teach newly married couples anything, it is learn how to fight fair. Learn how to have conflict resolution. Mary and Joseph had some conflict. And thirdly, he didn't make a hasty decision, though, because the Bible says he went and he thought about these things. Now, this is before the angel came and told him the 411. He loved this girl so much that he's like, man, maybe I shouldn't even get rid of her. I know she's saying this and saying that. I don't believe it. I love her that much that I'm willing to take her on with this story, with this child. He thought about it. He didn't just walk out the door quickly. Men, 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 can you hang in there and honor your vows even when the vows get violated? Women, can you hang in there and honor your vows even when the vows get violated? Because you did say for better or for worse, how come when worse comes, we're trying to go? Hang in there. Hang in there. Now, there are cases where, mm mm-hmm, you got to go. But we don't go for the door on the first sight of conflict. Mm Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Another thing is that he went on and took this woman as his wife. Why? Because the angel came to him and said, don't be afraid to take her. Because I know you want to take her, but you're afraid. 
But let me tell you why you shouldn't be afraid. Let me send a word to you to overcome your fear. Don't be afraid to take her. Why? Because what she told you is true. She is pregnant with the Lord's Messiah. Mm, he loved Mary. He loved. And love is love when you stick together no matter what. Hang in there, y'all. Many waters cannot quench love. The waters of life, they're coming at you. But hang in there. Uh-uh. Go back. Remember why you got married to begin with. And ask God to rekindle that flame that water is trying to put out, the waters of life. Another thing he loved, not only did he love God, he loved Mary, but he loved Jesus. Pastor, how do you know he loved Jesus? Because he raised Jesus even though Jesus wasn't his biological son. You know, some fathers, stepfathers, have trouble with the stepchild. But I love it when the stepfather or, or the father takes on the children as his own and even take that word step out and say, this is my daughter, this is my son. And that, that's the family that God ordained. And this man raised Jesus. Even when Jesus was 12 years old and uh, in Jewish culture, he is rightfully a man. And so Jesus stays at the temple extra days. You know, the caravan has left. And after a couple of days, they're looking around saying, where is Yeshua? Where is Yeshua? He, you know, he, well, he's back at the temple. And Mary and Joseph went back and was like, Jesus, you should have been with us. And Je then Jesus said, now, Joe. I am doing my father's business. You're my earthly dad. I love you. But I have a higher father than you, and I'm about his business. Joseph was like, okay, all you had to do was tell a player. Okay, okay, I get it. Huh? But he, he raised Jesus. He loved Jesus. But secondly and finally, what I love about Joseph is that he was a leader. Oh, he was a leader. And he was a leader by, number one, Dante, listen to this. He was a leader because he followed God. You can't be a leader until you learn how to follow. And, yes, we have to learn how to follow people in authority, people that God has put in our lives, parents and teachers and bosses and all of that, government officials, uh, political officials, all of that kind of stuff, because you'll never be a leader if you can't follow. Because one of the ways you learn how to lead is by not doing what other leaders have done in front of you as you follow them. You learn from their mistakes. When you have a nasty boss on your job, you always say, well, if I get that position, I'm not going to do what he or she is doing. So you learn how to lead by learning how to follow. And it shows that you can take orders, that you can take commands, you can take instructions. If you don't know how to do that, and that's why it's tough with this generation of young people, they don't know how to follow. They come to school and they don't want the teacher telling them what to do. They're like, who do you think you ought to tell me what to I'm the teacher. I'm supposed to tell you what to do. But many times there's a breakdown in the home, and they don't know how to follow instruction in the home because parents don't know how to give instruction in the home and be the parent and not be the child's friend. So we got to get back to teaching some parenting, some basic stuff, because it starts in the home. My son obeys his father. Isn't that right, son? Praise the Lord. My son, he did this with his eyes. That, that means, Dad, get up off me right now. Yeah. Yeah, man, we teach them when they're young. We teach them when they're young. And so he was a follower of God. How do you know, Pastor? He listened to the voice of God. And when he listened to the voice of God, when the angel would speak saying, don't be afraid to take her, he took Mary as his wife. When the angel would say, call him Jesus, he called him Jesus. He listened and he obeyed. Now, dig this. He did not name Jesus. 
The reason why he did not name Jesus is because to name a child means that you have authority over the child. But he technically did not have authority over Jesus. He had parental authority, but he did not have authority to the point where he could name Jesus. God named Jesus because God has authority over his own son. But Joseph still raised Jesus as if Jesus was his own biological son. So he listened to the voice of God when God would speak to him in dreams. He would get up in the middle of the night and he would obey the voice of God. He followed God by leading his family to worship in the temple. Oh, you got to hear this. If you don't hear any other point before I sit down. Mm, I'm so glad Strong Tower is not like most churches where most churches are populated by women. Where women are the ones who get their families up and take their kids to church and the men sleep in. But I'm so glad that when we did our survey and we looked at the, the breakdown of how many men and women attend our worship services, it's like the women are like, and, and we'll share this next month, the women are like 54% and the men are like 46%. So, yeah, there are more women, but it's not some kind of, you know, just lopsided uh, uh, balance, imbalance of women to men in the church. Because something happens when men lead their families to church. You can be the one ironing your kids' clothes the night before, ironing your wife's clothes the night before. You can be the one. Now, I can't do hair. I cannot do hair. My daughter this morning, see, Darina had to come in early to do the rehearsal. And so I'm at home, and I'm trying to get all my stuff together for the baptism and for all this stuff I got to do. And me and Karis get in the car. And I'm riding, and I look back at Karis, and her wig is a little twisted. Now, the pantyhose and the skirt matched, the sweater matched. She had lotion on her face. That, that's big. That's big. So I was doing okay. But the hair just needed some assistance, and that's not my field. But my daughter knows her daddy's limitations. And in her lap, she had a brush and one of them hair things. And so when she got here, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost, my daughter came and found Mama and said, Mama, go ahead and brush it back and put that thing over top because Daddy can't help. You got to know. But we should be the ones leading the charge to the temple. Man, when Susan Robinson was out of town, we all know when Susan is out of town, Charles does the best that he can. But one day, one of his children, his son, his youngest son, went to school. He had on his pants. He had on his shoes. Sometimes they don't even match the shoes. Sometimes Paul, Charles will put the wrong shoes on. Now, his son had a shirt on, but the brother's shirt was on backwards, and it was a polo. How do you put a polo on backwards? But you were handling business, though, brother. You, mm, mm. You're happy when your wife come back, aren't you? Like, oh, Lord, thank you. We got to lead it, fellas. We got to lead it. We should get up first. We should get the breakfast, whatever you got to do. Lead your family. Don't send your family to church. Come on now. Let's go. Let's go. And then this brother led by sacrificing his plans. He had plans to just get married. But his plans were interrupted with God's plans. This man sacrificed his sleep. Oh, my. 
because the angel would talk to him in his sleep. He would be aroused in sleep. He would wake up from sleep. And a lot of us men don't like to sacrifice our sleep. This man was a great servant. He sacrificed glory. I told you before, none of us really talk about Joseph. And if we talk about him, it's once a year if we talk about him. We don't put him in the same category of the spiritual giants like David and Solomon and all these. We always save Joseph if we talk about him at Christmas time. But I'm here to tell you, this was no ordinary brother here. And then usually when the names would be mentioned, it would be Jesus and his mother. He, he didn't even get a lot of love. Like, well, what about the father? Well, what about me? And Jesus and Mary, their names would go out. But another way this man sacrificed, showing that he was a leader, was that he sacrificed his sexual desires. I told you I was coming back. Pastor, what do you mean? He's expecting to get married and to see his wife with that small little Coke bottle figure. Then she shows up and she is showing. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Then she tells him, I'm pregnant with a child by the Holy Ghost. He stays with her and all that stuff. But then Gabriel breaks it down to him and says, yes, the Lord is in her womb. You are not to touch her until the child is born. They are legally married now. They are living together now. And he cannot touch her until Jesus is born. The kids have left, right? Most of the kids are out. Oh, Lord. You can still have relations when your wife is pregnant. But the Lord said, don't touch her until Jesus is born. So now he's got to exercise self-control and discipline when looking at that fine woman he's been waiting to get with and see. And the Lord said, don't touch her until Jesus is born. And then, after Jesus is born, he got to wait six weeks. Y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't want to laugh. Y'all too super spiritual. Come on, get in the text with me. First time he sees her naked is when he's helping deliver the Messiah. This is a good man right here. This is a good. Mary, no, oh, he really loved me. Because we do know they had some other kids a little bit later. They had some brothers and sisters. But this man showed great discipline. Because Mary knows if he can show self-discipline with me, I know he can show self-discipline when he's away from me and in the marketplace. Because I've seen him up close. He can uh, show self-control. So the heart of, she, she, her, she rests in her husband. She trusts in him because she's seen what kind of man that he is. Oh, this is a good man. And then he led by taking care of his family, Pastor Darrell, family pastor. How do you know? Man, he led pregnant Mary to Bethlehem. You always see the pictures. He wasn't on a donkey. She was riding side saddle coming 70 miles from Galilee into Jerusalem. He had to walk. While she rode side saddle. And then when they got there, he had to find a place for Mary to give birth. That wasn't her responsibility. He didn't sit back and say, you take care of that. I didn't have nothing to do with that baby. You go ahead and take care of that. No, he tried to find a place. There was no room in the Cataluma. There was no room in the inn. And then he eventually put, excuse me, after there was no room, he found the manger. 
And then he eventually put his family into a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They may have started off in that cave or that room that could be in the bottom of a house, depending on how you look at the Hebrew tradition. But they didn't stay there. They, they didn't stay in an apartment. They didn't stay in meager means. Okay, that's how we started. But as a man, he took his family out of that place. And when you get to Matthew chapter 2, the babe becomes the child, toddler, and they're living in a house. Joe is the man. He done moved his family along. And that's what our women want. Can you lead, man? Can you take care of us? And then he took his family to Egypt to escape Herod. He took care of them. And the Bible says Herod is hunting this child's life. And I looked at that the other day and I said, Lord, why didn't you make it easy for your son? It's just, he's just a child. He can't defend himself in the natural. He's a child. Why don't you make it easy? Why don't you just let Herod die? Well, he sent his son into a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. And if God didn't make it easy for Jesus, why do we keep thinking he's supposed to make it easy for us? It's not going to be easy, but you will have God's presence with you. Oh, when I look at Joe, I see a man. I see a man. A man is someone who rejects passivity. A man is someone who accepts responsibility. A man is someone who leads courageously. And a man is someone who expects God's reward. A man is someone who does what he has to do without expecting a pat on the back. A man is someone who makes sure everybody else's Christmas is taken care of and doesn't get salty if he doesn't get a gift because it's not about him, it's about his family. That's a man. A man is someone who will even take an extra job to do what he got to do to make sure that his kids and his wife have everything that, he need, that they need. That's a man. A man is someone who does the right thing when no one is looking because that man knows that God is looking and that man cares about what God sees. Joseph was this man. Now, hear this point. Hear this point. God the Father would not send his son into a family that had a weak man in it. See, Joe gets overlooked. This was a man of God. Had Joseph been weak, the father would not have chosen that family to carry Jesus. But because Joseph was a just man, a godly man, a good man, the father says, I'm going to send my son into a family where there's a good man in the house. Could the Lord have selected your family? Are you strong enough in the Lord for the Lord to entrust such an assignment to you? Or are you so weak that he's got to pass over you and find somebody else? Or you may say, man, I was weak. But with this helpmate I got, oh, I have become a better man. I'm a stronger man than when I first got married. Because that nagging, excuse me, that assistance she's been doing to help me grow. I'm not the same irresponsible dude I was when I got married. I'm a better man. And so I say, Lord, bring it on. What do you have for my family? Joseph was no ordinary Joe. And neither should you be, fellas. Refuse to be ordinary. In conclusion, God has not called men to be ordinary Joes. 
He has called men to be lovers and leaders the way Joseph was for his family. So as we follow Christ and we look at Paul and we look at Peter and we look at James and we look at David and we look at Solomon and we look at Abraham and we look at Noah as examples of godly men, may we not overlook Joseph. He was no ordinary Joe. And ladies, if your Joe is not ordinary, you ought to be praising God. If you got yourself one of these extraordinary guys, man, you should be praising God. But ladies, if your Joe is ordinary, you should be praying to God. Lord, help him. Talk more to God about him than talking at him about his situation. Talk to God. Say, Lord, help my man become extraordinary. Right now, he's just ordinary. Some of y'all say your man is sorry. But don't put him down too bad because he chose you. Don't talk about him too much. His judgment wasn't that bad. Help him. Help him. Find that one thing he does well, praise him for it. Encourage him. Because, men, we, we have these big egos, but it works best when we're praised because our ego is, it can shatter easily through criticism, and we, we feel like we're not being respected. And, yeah, we may be sloppy and doing some things, but, man, find that one thing and build on that one thing with your man. And, ladies, if you don't have an extraordinary Joe, I want to tell you to wait on God. Just wait on him. Just wait on him. Because, yeah, waiting on God is tough, but wishing you would have waited is tougher. Wait on the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for myself and the men in this church. Because the way you want to change the world, it begins with you changing men. Because when we're changed, we change our marriages if we're married. We change our families if we have children. That family changes the community. That family changes the church. That church touches the city. That church that touches the city touches the state. And it all starts with you touching a man who leads his wife, who leads his children, who leads in his church, who leads in the neighborhood, who leads in the city, who leads in the state, who leads in the country, who can then change the world. Start with us this Christmas. Help us, Lord, to lead our family to worship your son at Christmas. We thank you for the energy you gave us to make sure our kids get the toys and the things that they want. And, Lord, that's good. But may we have the same zeal to make sure before any of our children open a present that we make sure we open up the word, we open up in prayer, and we spend time blessing one another. Lord, let us be the pastors in our homes. Even if the spotlight is not on us like it wasn't on Joseph. Even if people don't pat us on the back like Joseph didn't get a pat on the back. Help us to be the men, the men, the servant leaders that you called us to be. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, 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 amen. Everybody stand to your feet, stand to your feet. Damien Wong Kim.
you're supposed to do something. And then there's a final song. I already prayed. So you got out of praying today, right? All right. Okay. Uh, Pastor John, you got something for me, don't you? We're dismissing? No, 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 no. You're dismissing and then singing? I want you to sing and then dismiss. Because it's my song, ain't it? The kids, get them ready. We're coming. This is my song. You want the mic that I didn't spit on? You ever get the mic from somebody that's been spitting and stuff? Like, All right, so if you know this, then sing it with us. Let's go, Reggie. Oh. 